Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here in the studio today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hi, Amy. Andrea is not joining us this week because she's actually on vacation. I feel like she's always on vacation. She's, she gets to travel <laughs> a lot. a lot of vacation. But we are very excited because we have a guest in the studio. Um, we have renowned children's author. Can I call you that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, Sarah Mlinovsky. Did good. I do a good job? Good. There's no right way, but you said it fabulously. <laughs> See, it's pretty good. Um, there's no right. I like your story that there's no right way. There isn't. <laughs> My done. whole life we've been saying it in different ways. My dad says it differently than I do. It's Milanowski, Milanowski. There's many different ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as we get it spelled right on our Facebook page, which we will. That would <laughs> so be appreciated. There's only one way to spell it. Exactly. That's a lot of pressure. Thanks. My guess is all of those uh, kids out there who read all your books know exactly how to pronounce it (laughs) (laughs) they like all have their thing in their head right they probably are like what are you talking about it's so easy (laughs) i doubt that my own children can barely pronounce it so there you go um so let's jump in let's have you give a little bit of your background first and i you've written so many books that it's it's actually astounding (laughs) (laughs) um i have written a lot of books i've written 33 novels I started off writing for adults, and then I moved into writing YA for teenagers, and now I mostly write for 8- to 12-year-olds, so mostly middle-grade fiction. And your books, um, your is it your most popular series, would you say, the one that's like, I would say it's very girl Whatever focused. After yes. is definitely my most popular series. There are 11 books in it so far, and um, it is about a girl and her brother who fall into different fairy tales mess them up and have to help the characters find new happy endings. <laughs> so it sounds a little like Amy Ever After, but <laughs> whatever after. It's um they're they're mostly comedies, but they're um they're action adventure comedies with a feminist twist. Right. That's why I love them. I think what's so nice, I know when my girls were little, kids love a series. Yes. Like they get attached to the characters. They you know, as a parent, you're always like, oh my God, another one. And like part of you's excited because you're like, I know I can just get that and they'll be happy. But what do you think that is about a series that kids really latch on to? I think kids become very invested with the characters and want to see what happens next. And it's comforting to return to your friends almost. I know I've read tons of series growing up. I mm-hmm. love The Babysitter's Club. I love Sweet Valley High. And I mm-hmm. just just gobbled them all. I just, you know what you're getting. And so you feel a comfort with those right. books. So how... What was your very first book? Let's talk about how oh, you that got I wrote? started. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My first book, the first book that I wrote was called Milk Run. And it was um, about a woman, a 20-something woman, who was working for a romance publishing house. And yet she had just been dumped by her boyfriend. And so she was basically juxtaposing her bad dates with the romance novels that she was working on. I happened to be working at Harlequin at the time when I wrote <laughs> that book. Wow. Yes, but in, in Milk Run, I called it uh, Cupid. It was not called Harlequin. Nice. Very, very different. And then after that, I, I, I moved into writing teen books. I wrote a series called Magic in Manhattan, which is about having about being a girl who finds out that her little sister is a witch and that she is not. Um, and then I just kept going from there. You had like the muggle perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's which exactly. is totally interesting. So that segue, so I feel like I can see the 20-something romance segueing into YA because mm-hmm. that's – and. Probably that was the very beginning of YA, I'm guessing, like when yeah. you wrote that. that. Really, that becoming its own genre is something 
maybe the last 10 years that really exploded. I don't know what, I didn't feel like those books just weren't classified. There, there we weren't were as up. many. There were definitely books for teenagers when I was growing up. Um, you know, there was Judy Bloom, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there were a couple, but there weren't, they, it wasn't as big of a thing. It hadn't taken over publishing like it has now. There's right. so many books specifically geared towards teenagers now. I think when I started writing the first book, in Bras, it was called Bras and Broomsticks, and The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants had just come out. Yeah. Um, Megan McCafferty had written Sloppy First, so really it was just becoming a thing. When I was a teenager, I was reading Jackie Collins. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Stephen were, King. Yes. And now kids, teenagers are really reading books that are more geared for them. They're more about stories that they're going through. I right. really did seem to, to go right from reading like Little Women and Little House on the Prairie right to Stephen King and Jackie Collins. Right. Like they're right. really, I'm, now that Don't forget V.C. Andrews. Oh, oh yeah. 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 But that was <laughs> totally YA before it was called YA. Like, no self-respecting right. adult would have read V.C. Andrews. Like I can't imagine that it was anything but 14 and 15 year old girls were like <gasps> like it, those but I'm not sure anybody knew to published as adults yeah, yeah they didn't yes. know to market to them if they had known right. to market to the teenagers I'm sure they would have <laughs> glammed onto it right away right I just like, read whatever was on my parents bookshelf uh, at the time right. it was totally inappropriate <laughs> and like whatever um, but maybe that's good yeah maybe that's part of discovery is sort of not not knowing if a book is supposed to be appropriate or not appropriate and just digging in and reading and now we put these like walls up around our kids about what they're supposed to be reading and what's right I mean I think there was a big controversy about Harry Potter for that reason where people felt Mm -hmm. like it got too dark and Mm -hmm. too scary and she was like this is the world like this is it people like this is the world and I know your books are I would say they're complicated like I don't feel like they're like the couple I read that you lent us (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think there's a an idea that when something's marketed to kids that it's sort of dumbed down or overly simplistic and I think there's this idea with YA also that it's sort of trashy like even if they're serious they're sort of trashy Um, and women you know women are a huge market for YA too right right? Um, when women were reading Twilight and they were like, oh, my God, this is Well, horrifying. I still write YA, and often when I'm on tour, I meet 20-something readers, 30-something readers, teenagers, too. But all different ages read YA. And I think the key is to respect your audience. You're not going to – you never want to dumb down to any age that you're writing for. That's just – that's the biggest mistake. Yeah, I think the first YA that I read was um, the Hunger Games series. I think I, I, like, just basically went to bed early every night and read it in, like, four days. <laughs> it was so good. And it was so good. <laughs> and I'm reading this going – why is this marketed to teenagers? This is so good. Like, why Why just because it's about this group does it have to be read by that group? Right, That's what I don't when understand. When Catcher in the Rye came out, it was not marketed to teenagers. Right. Now it's become this teenage canon, you know, book. But it was all adults reading Catcher yep. in the Rye. I, I mean, I think that there's just – there is a lot of adults who read teen books and teens who read adults. And there's it's more of a marketing thing than anything else. Yeah. And there it's been divided in the publishing house. And now there's adult publishing and then there's teen publishing. And sometimes there's differences. I feel like books that are um, geared towards teenagers are more immediate often and they're more they, – they're, they're not a – they're, they're not often, they, from a 20-year-old perspective, looking back. They're more, this is what's happening to me right mm, now. Right. 
I think that's one of the key differences. Okay. So let's talk about your middle grade books. Yeah. I think for our audience, that's like a, the biggest one. And, and I think the hardest to pin down. That's what yes. people ask for the most. Well, I wrote the Whatever After series. I also write another series called Upside Down Magic. And that is about a, and it's a world where everyone has magic powers, but there's a group of kids and their magic powers are all a little bit wonky. So they're put in a special class for kids with wonky magic, and it's called the Upside Down Magic class. Um, and there's four books in the series so far. The fourth one comes out just next January 30th, next oh, Tuesday. Cool. So it's, wow. yes, it's, it's, it's my pub day almost. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're writing Let's just talk about, I think it'd be interesting for our listeners, like where do you come up with the ideas? I know you have two young daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, So where are you coming up with the ideas and then how do you start to fashion your main characters? Um, Well, with whatever after, I had always loved fairy tales as a kid, um, but as because I had two daughters and I started to tell them the fairy tales, I kind of hated the endings to all the fairy tales <laughs> because they're all about princes who saved, you know, who saved their princess. And I, I did not want to tell my daughter that. I wanted to teach Chloe, who's now she's now almost nine, but she was much younger at the time when I started to tell her these things. I wanted to teach her that you know, she had agency, that she could control her destiny, that she did not have to wait around for someone else to save her. So I decided to write that story where the endings have new happy endings for the for the princess. And then you did. And I did, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And when Netflix eventually comes calling for the series, <laughs> how do you want to play the two leads? Anytime I say there's a lead, then they age out. So I, because I, I, who knows, it takes so long in Hollywood for anything to happen. So you have to, to animate happen. it. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> there you go. Or like what five-year-old actor today <laughs> is going to play. Yeah. Well, my daughter would very much like to right. play Abby. And I think she nice. would kill me if I let anyone else. But honestly, any, I, I'd be so happy if it was adapted that I'd be happy with anything that anyone that the studio chose. It's so funny. So I, I mean, I should say I didn't say in the beginning, but we met because you are in the office next to me. Yeah, in a shared office space. And one of the cutest things I think, because our mailboxes are next to each other, <laughs> is you get all this fan mail, Aww. and you can see the kids like addressing the envelope, like all the handwritten. It's so cute. They're very cute. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, how do they? get to you? Like, how can kids connect with a favorite author? There are so many ways these days. I mean, when I was younger, there I didn't know how to do it either. But now, first of all, almost every author has a website. Uh, so that's a very easy way. You go on the author's website, and the, the website is always written on the book. And what is yours? Mine is sarahm.com. I decided not to write my whole last name <laughs> for obvious reasons. So just sarahm.com. And it says my mailing address. It says uh, my email address. So I get a lot of emails also. Um, I think that's one way to to talk to authors. I think another way is that authors are often on tour. We go around. We go to bookstores across the country. So check the authors to see their website to see where they're going to be. Um, go to your local independent bookstore to see if they know of any authors coming, even if it's not the author you've been waiting to see. Speaking to any authors can be really great in terms of inspiring readers. Um, there's tons of fex- festivals, free festivals all across the country for children's lit. I think it's a great way to meet new people and to try new books. When you have a kid write to you or email mm-hmm. you, what are their number one questions? Um, <laughs> they always ask when the next book is coming out. Well, <laughs> oh, that's good. Right, it is. And they also they also ask about um, tips for writing. I think a, a lot of kids want to be writers, and they ask like what they can do. And you know, I always tell them to read. I think that's the most important thing, that if you want to be a writer, you have to be a reader. Uh, I tell them to keep a journal, to write down their ideas, and to keep writing, and to not worry about publishing just yet, but just to focus on writing their stories. 
That's a great idea. I mean, when you go, you go to a lot of schools. You yes. talk to a lot of schools. When you are talking to teachers who may have reluctant readers and mm-hmm. writers, um, and they ask you for advice, what do you tell them? Well, I have a reluctant reader of my own, so I've been this, experiencing this as a mom as well. Um, and for Chloe, who is now, has reading has just taken off in the past few months, and it's so exciting for me, but I found what really worked with her was, first of all, reading out loud to your kids. I think that just getting them invested mm-hmm. in a story is a great way to do it. I still read out loud to Chloe all the time and to my little one. I have a five-year-old also. Um, I think that's one way to get them into stories. I think graphic novels are a great mm-hmm. way to inspire them. That's what worked for Chloe. She was really resisting and then um, she, she she tried the uh, the Reina uh, uh, um books, like Ghost Sisters, all those, and she loved them. And then she really started to read novels from then, from there. Really following the kids and seeing what they're interested. Try not to shove specific books at them and insist that that's what you loved when you were younger. They should right. read that, or just saying, you know, this is really good. You have to read that. Just really following their lead to see what interests them. Yeah, every year for a few years, I've sent um, a big range, but I've always included a couple of sci-fi books when I sent books to my daughter at camp and after this year she was like could you just stop like I don't read those I'm not going to start reading them just because you send them at camp really? so did you yeah. try Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy <laughs> no that's always lying around our house though so maybe she'll pick it up that was their gateway book into sci-fi <laughs> I think giving them options is definitely the important thing and and also and following their lead so letting them pick the store the books in the bookstore taking them to a bookstore right. seeing what they're interested in and then you know letting them look at that book and not just steering them to no 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 don't read a graphic novel or don't read a mystery read this instead just letting them try different things Ooh, mysteries Agatha Christie was huge when I was younger all of yeah, my friends were reading Agatha Christie yeah they, they hold up yeah, they do. Well, <laughs> some some of the some of the wording not so much, but well, the stories definitely yes. hold up. Some of the some of the stereotypes maybe. Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> but that's true of Little House on the Prairie too. Yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the interesting things is when you reread books as an adult. You know, I think when we grew up, like you ingested so much stereotype and stuff that you just just ingested it you know yeah. just went in there and now as an adult when you reread it you're like uh i mean there were whole parts of little house on the prairie that right. i skipped when i was reading it out loud to my daughters i was like and huh. native americans come visit them in their house and, <laughs> just gonna flip forward. and pa was in a minstrel show I'm gonna flip forward over that. Like, it was like horrifying see i don't right. remember any of that oh like my it, God. I, that just went in one ear and out the other when i was a kid i think right when i was a kid so you, you could also it. read those parts and then discuss them with the kids right too. depending right. on the age of your kids yeah, of course um yeah and you probably should right. <laughs> you know it's like an important thing to do but it depends on what you want to tackle it right. you know eight absolutely. o'clock at night absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so who are your favorite like aside from yourself mm-hmm. um, <laughs> who are your favorite authors in this especially in this middle grade area um well so upside of magic i co-write with lauren Miracle and emily jenkins who happen to be two middle grade writers as well and i absolutely adore that's them that's great. why i work with them because they're fantastic writers emily jenkins also writes a ton of picture books which are some of my daughter's favorites like water in the park toys go out lots of different stuff um so i love reading them i, I get to, luckily i get to meet sorry so many different writers one of my favorite favorite books this year which is definitely 10 and up was called refugee uh, which is about cool. yeah three different it's it's really fantastic it's written by Alan Gratz and it was about three different ref- refugees at different points in times and, and you know it was beautiful and sad and also action adventure so it's a great read for say reluctant readers um, you know ten and up I would say um, 
I, I, I can tell, I can talk about all different of my favorite books <laughs> forever. Oh, do yeah. we'll, we'll link to all of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of what else I've, uh, I've seen very recently. Um, I read, okay, there's um, another series called Space Case, which is written by an author named Stu Gibbs. And it's, uh, if, if you're like, like Star Wars, that would be a really good not, uh, fiction series to get into. Um, who else am I reading? And I'm loving so many different people. Who does your daughter love? Like, who's your eight-year-old? Um, right now, she's reading uh, Sisters Grimm by Michael Buckley. Uh, she loved that. And she just finished the second book, and she's about to go into the uh, the third book as well. So she's a series girl. Yeah, she's definitely a series girl. <laughs> she's absolutely a series girl. Um, I'm trying to think of other amazing things. And are your best. daughters reading book books, or are they reading on an e-reader? They are reading book books. We ha- I haven't tried e-readers with either of them yet. Um, I'm not an e-reader type person. Um, I I've tried. I keep you know trying with Kindles and and I, I just I, I like to have the physical book in my mm-hmm. hand. I just love it. I just the feeling of it. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're going to want to try ebooks at some point, but it's just not 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 yet. Every time we talk about this on the show, I tell my kids that we talked about it because my daughter is so fiercely in the real book in her hands camp, and my son and I are so very much of it's not on our phone or our Kindle, we're just not going to read it. Yeah. So then, like, it ignites the argument between them <laughs> all over again because yeah. they are so staunchly on opposite sides of this. It is. I mean, we've talked before about how sad it is when you're on the subway and you can't see what anyone's reading anymore. Like, (laughs) to me, that's the biggest loss of all. Um, But I I do wonder for children's books on Mm -hmm. an e-reader. I feel, well, certainly for picture books, I think you really lose something. But it's very different. Like you were saying, reading with your kids. Like when they're little and they're in your lap. Oh, yeah. Like they don't know the difference between a screen showing right a YouTube video or a screen showing a book. Like to me, you need that physical book. They need to like turn the page. They love turning the page. Absolutely. Yes. No, yeah. my my kids are teenagers, but no, when right. they were younger, I'm trying to think. Were there e-readers? There really weren't. But no, we still would have had real books in their hands. Yeah. But once they get to the point where they're commuting. You know, when there right. are all these other opportunities to read a book when you might not have a book with you. See, you I know, always then, had a book then, with me. No. I always had a book in my bag. I like, always had a book in my bag on the subway. And and everyone did. That's why you could tell what everyone was reading. I would always forget. <laughs> I, I would always like forget. I can't do it on a... I could do it on a, like a straight-up Kindle if I'm commuting. But if I have something that has other things available on it other than the book... I feel like I'm going to like play Candy Crush. Yes. <laughs> so my my husband uh, a couple months ago read Ready Player One, and he actually read the book book because he's kind of, he splits. He's not in one camp or the other. He'll just read whatever. He actually took over my Kindle, which is annoying. I have to buy another one. Um, but he had the book, and when he finished it, he really recommended it to me and my son, and both of us started reading it on the book and both of us stopped after like 20 pages. So we just finally bought it on Kindle. Like we just, we weren't going to finish it. Yeah, it's weird. That's weird. And now we're just plowing through it because it's with us all the time. (laughs) I just, I spend so much time staring at screens that to me, that's not a break. I see reading as like a pleasurable break from screens. I can just disappear. So I'm just not into reading. (laughs) I don't don't think that my Kindle is a screen. Like it looks so, I definitely prefer reading on my Kindle to my phone. If if my phone's all I have with me, then I will. But I don't know. I just find the the act, like looking at the Kindle, it just looks nice. The Kindle Paperwhite, it just looks nice. See, I I was telling Sarah offline before we started, like I don't like not knowing where I am in the book. I right. like to. You have don't a want book. a percentage. No, a percentage <laughs> is so dumb. <laughs> I need to like, even if I'm reading a magazine like The New Yorker, like I need to flip ahead and see where that little diamond is at the end. So I'm like, how many more words is left to this? All right. <laughs> 
And one of my daughter, actually both my daughters did it for a long time. One of my daughters did it for a very, very long time. She always read the end. Really? First. Oh, that's always. so weird. And because she needed to know that it would like be okay. Like she couldn't start a book. Like when she started reading real books, she needed to know like where this was going to go. And it's funny because I, I think I told Amy the story, but when I bought one of my daughters, I bought them Little Women. And when I read Little Women, it was all in one book. It's two parts. Yeah. Really. Really? Yes. Okay. And yeah, like they just, they, they almost market the first book like it's just a thing unto itself. Right. And you can just end it with the first book. So I totally spoiled the whole thing because she finished it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And what do you think? And she was like, what? She dies? Who died? What? Yeah. And like, did they get married? What? And I was like, oh, my God. Did you not read it? She was like, yes, I did. It's like when my horrible. parents used to turn off the sound of music after the wedding. They told me that was the end. And then it was bedtime <laughs> every year. Yeah. No, that is weird. I did. didn't climb every mountain. No, not, I didn't know that that whole part of the movie existed until I was like a late teenager. That's okay because it's the most fake part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they did not walk over the Alps. <laughs> they left on a nice little train. <laughs> they had enough money. They were just fine. <laughs> That's my dad. When you have a when you have Jewish parents, all you hear about is he actually like was just fine with the Nazis. He was fine with a lot of what the Nazis did. He just didn't want them taking just his land in his house. Doesn't <laughs> make as good of a movie. Doesn't make as good of a movie. Um, but I also think like like. I'm looking at Sarah has her book in front of her. I do. Like the cover. I mean, there's something you don't get that on an ebook. I, I, I agree. I like to feel them in my hands. I devour books. I just sometimes I rip off little corners and I, I don't know. I just <laughs> I eat them. I swear. <laughs> I think it's good. I mean, I think you need to you need to give your kids the options. But I yeah. think I would never trust my younger kid that that's what they were doing. Maybe if they were on a paperweight. <laughs> Otherwise, I would never, never trust they were actually. Reading. I would never buy a cookbook on a, a digital reader that I still need the actual book propped up in my kitchen it's, it's interesting you say that because I so I all my recipes are online like I'm a New York Times cooking even if I have the cookbook on my shelf I end up googling the recipe and then I print it oh I do that well <laughs> really I do it all the time all of the recipes that I use are in OneNote and that's in a, a, a surface on my can that lives on my counter right. specifically for that purpose because it's too old and slow for anything else but it started in a cookbook a lot of the time. And, you know, then I get it onto the, the right. Kindle, you know, when it be or onto onto the surface when it becomes part of my rotation. But I do love I'm a member of a cookbook club, which really renewed my love of cookbooks because um in in the cookbook club we kind of read them like books instead of just finding recipes. They're and beautiful then, too. Yeah. Cookbooks are so gorgeous. Yeah. So that that I need the physical. That's book probably for. a fun thing to do with your kid if you have a picky eater to get them into cookbooks. Yeah. Because just like I mean, I don't, my daughters watch so many tasty videos, and I keep telling them like that's not cooking. Like dumping everything into a bowl <laughs> and mixing it, and then cutting it out this big is not a. <laughs> there's no. nothing. There's nothing cooking about. If you tried to make a tasty recipe, you'd be very sad. I've never tried. I, they're not recipes. They're like ooh. I'm a terrible cook. Luckily, my husband does a lot of the cooking, oh, so I'm good. good. Yeah. As long as someone is. And my, da <laughs> my daughter, Chloe, loves to cook. She's nine, and she ordered all these baking. Well, we ordered all these things for her to bake the other day, and she's constantly doing stuff. And That's going to be your next book. Yeah, there. It's going to be the mom who can't oh. cook, so the daughter <laughs> takes over and becomes the chef. <laughs> Absolutely. I have ideas. It's funny you should say that. I totally have been working on something like that. Oh, and I wanted to mention one more um, uh, graphic novel that my daughter loved, and that's new. It's called Frazzled, and there's a two, two books in the series, and it's really great. So people who've read all the graphic novels and are looking, or they feel like they've read all the ones right. that are looking for something different, I loved um, Frazzled and so did Chloe by Bookie Vivat. How do you feel as an author about the gender segregation 
the books it happens and so it's not just kids no it's a great it's a, question it's adults too um i think that often it is the cover of the book the same way that ya and adult is it's marketed a specific way i think the books are often marketed a specific way and that's really where the gender divide is um i hear from a lot of boys and girls who read whatever after my which is a series that has a girl on the cover and usually those are kids who've been read to it they've been read the series in school and the other kids, people who've bought it on their own, it's almost all girls. Because hmm. some of the books, they, my books especially, scream, this is only for girls from the right. cover. And, and whose choice is that? Um, it's, the, it's the cover. It's the marketing department. It's the publisher. So you don't get a choice it. to say, hey, I want to attract you get a final some boys approval. I, get, I do get final. I, right now I get consultation. Not <laughs> Different authors get different <laughs> things. Consultation means they shows it to, show it to me. And I happen to love the covers of what after, after, whatever after. I think that they're beautiful. And it's worked for girls, right. um, but it's definitely turned off a lot of boys. So the latest one is bright red. Um, it's called Abby in Wonderland, and there's roses on the background, and she, there's a big heart, and it's, <laughs> it, it's it's screaming, if you were a boy, do not pick up this right. book. Wow. Versus the Upside Down Magic book, which is also, um, the protagonist is a girl as well. But I get bo- have boy and girl readers because the covers are very gender neutral. Hmm. So it's really about the packaging. And like Hunger Games, for example, um, yeah. you know, it's an action adventure book. My nephews loved Hunger Games. They don't care that right. it, it's and a Harry female. Potter. Right. The traditional idea is, well, if it's written by a woman and there's a girl as the main protagonist, then boys won't read it. And that is totally not yeah, true. It's totally not true. Totally not true anymore. Boys are more than happy to read stories that interest them. They And they should be reading stories about right. girls and about, you know, about um, about everything, not just well, about boys by male authors. My son and I both read it on the Kindle. I don't know what the cover looks like. So. I was going to say, maybe that's better. Ooh, maybe the, that's the one way yeah. the e-reader is better is it kills the gender <laughs> That's really That's a great point. All right, now we're pro e-reader. <laughs> <laughs> we solved it. We're done. <laughs> we're all getting Kindles. All right. Well, this has been great. This is such a good conversation. Um, we will be right back. Sarah's going to stay with us. Yes. We're going to do our bites of the week. And I feel like you mentioned so many books. I don't know what you have left. We <laughs> <laughs> know you have something. So we'll be right back. We are back with our bites of the week. Amy, what you got? Okay. So I don't follow figure skating. I pay attention to it once every four years during the Olympics with everybody else. And then I'm all into it for like a week and a half. And then it's gone for another four years. But there was this video that kept going through my Facebook feed for like a week. And I kept ignoring it because whatever, it's skating. We're not quite at the Olympics yet. But then so many people were recommending it that finally over the weekend, I was like, all right, let me take a look at this stupid thing. (laughs) I was crying by the end. It was so amazing. It's this French couple who apparently have been skating together for a really long time. Their names are Vanessa James and Morgan uh, Cipre. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um... They they do this this routine, long routine, to um, a cover of The Sounds of Silence. And they are so fluid and they make it look so easy, which I know means so much work. Like, I, I'm not fooled into believing that it's at all easy for them. And the things that that they do must just take such an insane amount of trust, the way that she's being flung around and the way that they're moving and but it's not just all the the dazzling turns and stuff like they just move so well together and I've never been moved by a skating routine like this it was incredible so we will post a link to it or, or post the video on our site and just 
sit and just watch it quietly for Will the five minutes. Will they be in the Olympics or is it old? I have no idea. No clue. I, I I get the impression that that they from comments that people left on Facebook that they they're a thing right now. So I hope so, um, but I just don't follow skating. I so always I don't feel know. bad for like the skaters and the gymnasts that no one pays any attention to them. Like every four years, like they've been working their butts <laughs> off and they have championships yep. every year, and then we're all of a sudden all like, "Ooh, look, oh, we yeah, discovered yeah. them." And That's like, me. <laughs> That's every four years. I'm like, "Oh my god, those gymnasts!" Right? Because we think they came out of nowhere. Meanwhile, right. they've been like, they're yeah. like the world champion. No, I'm like, totally one of those. People People always no clue what's going on until the Olympics comes around. <laughs> I admit it because um, I just don't follow any sports. But this, w- whether you like figure no, skating awesome. or not, it's incredible. All right, Sarah. Oh, um, well, I have to be a little self-serving and mention yes. Upside Down Magic because the fourth <laughs> book comes out. And I should mention, for those of you who love e-readers, the second book in the series is um, 99 cents for the Ooh. Yeah, for right now for, for a little bit. And it's called uh, Upside Down Magic, Sticks and Stones. Um also, I, I want to mention a picture book. I feel like we talk so much about middle grades, but there's a new picture book out called Love um, by Matt De La Pena and uh, illustrated by Lauren Long, and it's about how we all di- experience love in different ways. And it's really a beautiful book, and I read it to my both my girls, and they absolutely loved it. Oh, those are good. All right, so... I'm like, this is a totally only for your older kids, <laughs> very older, but I... I think starting like was it last week the whole Aziz Ansari thing and all this stuff so if you have teenagers and older particularly ones who love Master of None like mine um, I think this story actually like really bubbled up to the top for a lot of older teens um, obviously and adults because it's been endlessly (laughs) tearing apart Um, and it was funny because one of my daughter's you know, every week we're like, oh, no, who now? Like, what are we doing next? And it was, aside from Louis C.K., I think the first person that came out where my daughters were like, ooh, like him? Like, it could be him? And Louis C.K., they don't know, but they knew we liked him. And they were mm-hmm. like, ooh. And he's also a dad, like, went to school. <laughs> he's like a dad friend. So there's a really, really, there have been so many articles on both sides of this, which I also think is interesting because, like, as if we all know anything about what actually happened. But there was a really, really good article that someone shared yesterday written by a sex therapist Hmm. that talked about what I had been talking about with my daughters, which is porn. (laughs) And that that whole encounter just reeked reeked of a bad porn and a guy who watches way too much <laughs> porn and expects his life to go And there. a and woman who was looking for romance. Right. right. And I had this conversation with my daughters because their guy friends actually talk about watching porn all the time. Like these 15-year-olds, like they're very open about it and whether they're joking or they're uh, trying to impress the girl. I don't know why they think they would impress the girl. But she's like, <laughs> oh my God, it's all they freaking talk about. Um, but they are growing up in a very different landscape because of it on both sides. The expectations, the whatever. And it was a really good article that I shared with my daughters because this woman, she she sort of tackled that hmm. and the conversations that need to be happening around not just consent, which is what everything focused on, but more about like fighting that hmm. and fighting what these kids are seeing and absorbing as what sex is and like that there's and just even how women behave and how men behave. And it was just a really good article about sort of taking agency of your own body and like knowing for girls too like you're not supposed to act like that you don't have to act like like no one's expecting Mm -hmm. that either and sort of having that conversation and refocusing the conversation on not just consent but actual like 
love mm-hmm. and right. respect and like this idea. Um, so it was a really good article because it was the first person I read that was like, oh my God. Everyone was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not in my 20s dating this. But it was more like, I am so glad I'm not in my 20s and here's why. I'm a <laughs> sex therapist with 30 years of experience. and like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I really recommend it if you have teenagers. Do you remember where it was? Where you read it? I will find the link to it. Okay. I feel like it was, it was like shared it might have been like in New York Magazine. They talked about it, but linked to it. And it was actually in like okay. a, a, like a medic, not a medical, but like but a more like psych- a journal. Yeah, type. more like a journal type, because um, it's actually like a it's like a real piece where right. she sort of dissects all these different aspects of it. It was hmm. really interesting. Right. Um, so anyway, that's my read. And if you have older teens, can't recommend it enough. I will Boys send it to girls. my son, yes. and we will not speak of it face to face. He'll read it on his Kindle. There you go. <laughs> Just don't don't print it. <laughs> Um, so that is our show for today. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, thank this you was for so having much fun me. having you. Thank you, Amy. You're welcome. We'll have Andrea back next week, I think. Um, we will have links to everything we talked about on the show, including all of Sarah's book recommendations <laughs> and the link to her new book. Thank you. Um, on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash parentingbites and on parentingbites.com. Find us on Twitter, hashtag parentingbites, and on radio.com where you can find us and all of the... CBS podcast? What are we calling them now, Patrick? I have to ask our producer. Radio.com. <laughs> oh, radio. just radio.com podcast. Radio.com. All right. <laughs> That's where you can find us. Uh, until next week, happy parenting. Awesome. Bye. Bye.